0: Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's this week's message from Robert Quintana, Not for the Faint of Heart. You know, I usually pride myself in having a pretty good sense of direction. I know that there are some of you out there that feel the same way. It's hard for you to get turned around, even though in this big city, driving, maybe in the shopping center, at the mall, you might be at the department store. It's, it's hard for you to get turned around. It's hard for me to get turned around, usually. There have been times where um, I've been a little turned around. I remember a few years ago, several years ago, actually, um, a friend of mine and I went to a store that we were excited to go to. It was about an hour away and uh, we did our, our thing in the store. We looked around. We got back in the car, back in the interstate to head back to the university, and about an hour down the road, we see a sign that says, Detroit, 40 miles away. And we realized that for an hour, we had been going the wrong way. And so, of course, we had to get off the exit Make a U-turn and start heading back. We lost, of course, two hours because we were headed the wrong way. We just weren't paying attention. So it happens. My brother-in-law is known for missing the exit, getting turned around, always having to do U-turns, always hearing the little GPS um, voice say recalculating. My uh, brother-in-law has a habit of doing that. Uh, But, you know, we kind of get turned around in life sometimes, you know. Um, Sometimes when we get lost or turned around on the roads in the big city, yeah, we may lose a few moments. We may lose some time. We may get a little frustrated. But when we get lost in life, the consequences can be a lot bigger. Uh, We might be heading down the wrong road for a year or two when we realize, what am I doing? What have I done? And by then, there's so much emotional baggage. There is pain. There is debt. And you realize, I've been going down the wrong road for so long. How could I have gotten here? I don't want to be here anymore. And so oftentimes we find ourselves maybe going back to church or tapping on the shoulder of of a good friend, a, a mentor, someone that can point us back in the right direction. Sometimes we might even find ourselves going back to Scripture and saying to ourselves, you know, maybe I should give this book another try. Maybe it has something to say. Maybe it can help me get back on the right road. You know, no one likes to be lost in life. No one likes to think that I've been wasting year after year after year only to realize that I've been on the wrong road this whole time. You know, there is a passage in Scripture that we read for our Scripture that I'd like to point out to you. Again, it's found in Proverbs uh, chapter fourteen twelve, and also Proverbs chapter sixteen twelve. And I'm going to read to you the one found in six, um, 16, verse um, 12. It says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the way of it leads to death or destruction. Man, nobody likes to think of themselves as thinking, here I thought I was on the right road. Here I thought I was on the right path. But after a year or two of this or after a few weeks of engaging in this type of relationship or this kind of business transaction, I realize that I am on the wrong road. And you realize that the end of that road is a dead end or it is just filled with pain and suffering. It is it is filled with emotional baggage And the Bible points out that many times it ends in destruction or in death. We don't like to think of ourselves on the wrong road. So today, we're going to talk about what does it take for us to be on the right road. What does it take for us to be on the right road? Because yes, sometimes it does require making a U-turn. There's a place that I don't go to that often in Hagerstown, which is probably why I do kind of get lost um, every time I try and find it. Has anybody been to Crumpy's Donuts in Hagerstown? Oh, man, I saw some hands go out right quick. Like, oh, yeah, I've been there before. It's a great place, but it's this little hole-in-the-wall donut shop in an alley, and because I don't live in Hagerstown, because I don't go to Hagerstown often, and because it's found in this kind of neighborhood area, it's a little difficult to find. It really is, but hey, listen, I encourage you. Crumpy's with a K, Crumpy's Donut. You need to check them out. They have some weird hours. They really do. They're only open from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. Figure that out. I mean, that's the last time you want to be eating donuts, right? But great little place, but I get turned around every time I go. I miss the the, the alley where it is, and so I have to do a U-turn. And a lot of times in life, We think we're going down the right way. We think we know where we're going. And then we realize, "Uh uh-oh, dead end. Uh Uh-oh, causing too much pain. I need to turn around. I need to detour. I need a U-turn. I need to get back on the right road. Today, I want to speak to you about being on the right road. You know, Jesus kind of alludes to this. In the book of Matthew. And what he says isn't very encouraging, I have to admit. It's a little bit of a depressing verse, if you ask me. But I want to read it to you because I think he's kind of alluding to this fact that a lot of times we think we're on the right road when in fact we're not. But I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. I'm reading from the New King James Version today, Matthew chapter 7. We'll read verse 13 and 14. The whole chapter, or nearly the whole chapter, is in red, which means these are the words of Christ. Here we are, smacked dad in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, his famous Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's a little bit depressing verse, isn't it? I mean, usually I I like to hear verses of, you know, you're going to make it. You know, I'm here to strengthen you and I'm going to give you the wisdom that you need. And, and, and uh, you know, I like those kind of positive verses. And then I read this and I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. Wait a second. You mean to tell me that most people are headed in the wrong direction and only a few people are actually on the straight and narrow on the right path? And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, that's true. And maybe it's because of what Proverbs tells us, that most people are headed down a road thinking that they're doing the right thing, thinking the right things. They believe that they are in the right, when in reality, they are in the wrong. And so today, I want to talk to you about how can we ensure that we are on the straight and narrow? How can we make sure that we are on the right path? Or maybe you find yourself now on the wrong path. Today's message will help, hopefully help you find yourself back on the right path. And it all comes down to two things. The renewing of your mind and the renewing of your heart. All right. So how do we ensure that we are on the right path? It's a no-brainer question. How many of you, in this instance, want to be a part of the minority where you are on the straight and narrow? You are living according to God's purpose for your life. How many of you want that? All right. Most hands gone up. Others may be thinking. Others, yeah, pastor, it's a... It's a, it's a, it's a you know, no-brainer question, of course I want that. We all want that. We all want to be living according to God's purpose for our lives. We want to be on that straight and narrow. How can we do it? Two things. The renewing of our minds and the renewing of our hearts. So let's look first at the renewing of our mind. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It's a little book towards the end of the New Testament. First Peter, chapter five, verse eight. It says this. First Peter, chapter five, verse eight. Be sober. Some translations might say self controlled be sober, be vigilant. Some translations might say watchful. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so here Peter is advising us, you need to be sober. You need to be watchful. You need to be vigilant about what you are learning. You need to be You need to understand what is out there. You need to understand the signs around you. You need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. As Romans tells us, a renewing of the mind needs to take place. You see, because there are all of these warring worldviews going on all around us. There are worldviews out there that will tell us things contrary to the word of God. There are things that will tell us, listen, it's okay to do whatever you want as long as you want to do it. That's okay because you are a God in of of yourself. You are a God. So, therefore, just do whatever you want. Whatever feels good, just go for it. There are teachings out there that will say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter if you want to have, a, a, you, if you want to have multiple relationships, if you want to have this kind of a lifestyle or that kind of a lifestyle, it's okay. It's all right. Completely contrary to the word of God. There are, there are teachings out there that will tell you, listen, if you want it, just kind of put it on plastic. It doesn't matter. Instant gratification. It's okay to go into debt. Completely contrary to what the Word of God teaches us. And so here are all of these these worldviews out there circling all around us. And all the while, there is a biblical worldview where God says, this is the way I want you to live. These are the laws that I want to govern your life. Now, I often use this illustration because I think it works really, really well. The illustration of, of a car and, and a, a car manual, you know, the, the maker of the car puts together a car manual and says, if you want this car to operate at its optimum, this is what you need to do. This is the kind of gasoline, that the kind of fuel that you need to put in the tank. And so it might say, you know, 93 octane. Now, guess what? You have the choice to put water in there if you want, right? You can pull up and say, you know, water's a lot cheaper, I'm just going to put water in the tank. And you can do that, but what's going to happen to the car? Well, it's not going to work. It's going to break down on you. And it would not be fair for you to now call the manufacturer and say, Hey, listen up. My car's not working. If they say, why? Well, because I put water in the tank. What would they, what are they going to say? Well, duh. We never told you to put water in the tank you're supposed to put. Gasoline. And yet we do the same thing with God day in and day out. God says, these are the laws that govern you. Listen, I created you. And these are the laws, these are the commandments, these are the things that you need to abide by if you want to operate at your maximum. If you want to live out your full potential in God, these are the kind of things that you need to abide by. You might not understand why. I'm just telling you that it works. I don't understand why gasoline makes an engine turn over. But hey, listen, if that's what they're telling me to put in, that's what I'm going to put in, right? And we do the same thing with God. We say, oh God, I know you've said this, but I think differently. Therefore, I'm going to try it this way. And then we find ourselves on the bad road, on a bad road. We find ourselves on a road that eventually leads to a dead end. We find ourselves on a road that brings emotional baggage. We find ourselves on a road that brings broken relationships. We find ourselves on a road that brings financial debt. And then we turn and say, God, why? Why did you cause all of this pain? And the whole time, God's up there saying, whoa, whoa, time out. Do you remember that decision that you made back when? That was against my will. Do, do you remember the decision that you made a year ago? To That was again against my will. Do, do you remember this time and, and this time and this time? How do you expect then? But we find ourselves on, on these, on these broken roads, on these dead end roads, and then we, we oftentimes question and blame God why, and all the while God says, whoa, whoa, wait a second, you need a renewing of your mind. You need to start thinking straight. You need to think, start thinking righteously. Because you're buying into all of these worldviews when the only worldview that you need to be buying into is my worldview for your life. Now, of course, we can find God's worldview at times by spending time with other Christian believers. We can spend time in small group Bible study. We can spend time with others praying. Yeah, there are times when we can find God's worldview by listening to a preacher or, list or reading a devotional book. But I'm going to tell you that ultimately the only place that you can find God's worldview is right here in the Word of God. And so therefore you need to be spending time in the Word of God. You need to spend time reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God. Now listen, I understand that sometimes the Word of God is hard to understand. I get that. It was written thousands of years ago in a completely different language, completely different culture. But I'm telling you, I'm asking you to take my word for it. Trust me that the more time you spend in the word of God, the more it'll make sense to you. The more it'll become real to you. The more you spend time studying and reading, and you might read a chapter that means absolutely nothing to you, but then you come across a verse or two that that stands out and you go, whoa, wait a second, that's powerful, that speaks to me. Hang on to that and just press on. Because eventually, if you continue immersing yourself in the Word of God, guess what? You're going to come back to that chapter that made absolutely no sense to you, and now it's going to make sense. You're going to start piecing things together and connecting the dots and and pretty soon you're going to find yourself seeing how this verse in John relates to that verse in Chronicles and how Genesis matches up with Revelation and, and it's just going to become beautiful for you. But see, we find God's worldview in his word. Therefore, we need to spend time in his word. And as we spend time in his word, there is a renewing of the mind that takes place. A renewing of the mind, the kind of renewing of the mind that for some people might not make sense. Because you see, they've been on a different road than you have. And they've been on a road where they've been buying into all of these other different worldviews. But now you've been immersing yourself in God's worldview. And now God is telling you that this is the way I would want you to live. This is what's really true. This is what's really fact. This is what's wrong from error. This is how I want you to live. These are the commandments I want you to follow. And so we spend time in the Word of God. Now... Make no mistake about it, that this renewing of the mind as we immerse ourselves in the Holy Scriptures is made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit working in us and through us that helps us in this. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 16, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, listen to this, he will guide you into what? All truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So this renewing of the mind, this renewing of the intellect where now you are seeing things through God's perspective intellectually comes as you read the Word of God, but as the Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. Because I tell you what, you can read the Scriptures without the Holy Spirit, and you can come out with a completely different purpose, completely different will than what God originally intended it to be. Now, you don't have to look very far, I'm sure. You can probably recognize some Christians in your life that are living this. You can probably point out a few Christians in your life where you think, you know what, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Have you ever thought that? You know, they're always quoting scripture, but somehow I just don't see that, that Christian, that Christ-like character in them, right? So, so yeah, you can read the Bible, And you can know it, you know, backwards and forwards, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you, you will walk away with a completely different purpose than what God wanted for your life. So yes, we want to be on the straight and narrow. And yes, we need a renewing of the mind which takes place in his word as we are guided by the Holy Spirit. So now the second thing, the renewing of the Spirit, the renewing of the heart. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs because I want you to see how important this renewing is or needs to be. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Listen to this startling text, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart. Some translations might say, guard your heart or protect your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. In other words, this is something of high priority. You do not want to mess with this. You do not want to neglect this. This is of high priority, okay? So keep your heart with all diligence for out of its spring the issues Of life. And so here we are told the importance of guarding our hearts or renewing our hearts in Christ because out of it flow the issues of life. I was hearing a psychologist not too long ago say that most of us make our decisions based on our hearts. Like intellectually, we might know that something is true or Intellectually, we might know that that is a bad road to go down. That intellectually, I know I should not go down that road. But emotionally, our heart drives us down that direction. And then we use our brain to justify why we've gone down that road. And so here, it is vitally important that you understand the connection between our hearts and what happens day to day in our lives. And so here we're told you need to guard it. You need to protect it with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. There's a big problem with our heart. There is a huge issue with our hearts. I'd like for you to turn to Jeremiah. And here again, this is one of those kind of depressing passages in Scripture. I wish it were not so, but it's the case. Jeremiah chapter 17 Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. And you're going to see the importance of a renewing of our hearts. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. My goodness. Really? God. Or I should say Jeremiah, right? God through Jeremiah. Give me a break. Are you kidding me? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says. Now, I don't know if you've been aware of this trend in our world, and here again is a worldview that we sometimes buy into, and we then find ourselves on this road that is a dead end, a, a, a road that leads to destruction and death, a, a road that leads to pain and suffering and emotional baggage and, and financial debt, is the, is the worldview that says, follow your heart. Whatever your little heart desires, go for it. If it feels right, if if your heart says, man, this is a good thing, then go for it. Just follow your heart. And here, God through Jeremiah is telling you, time out. Stop. Don't follow your heart. Why? Because your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. There needs to be a renewing of your heart. So don't follow it. Time out. Stop. Because you're going to think you're doing the right thing, but you're not. There's a passage that I think helps to explain this text. I I really do. I I was reading um, several years back the the Minor Prophets. And you might think, how boring is that? But I got to tell you, I actually learned a lot from reading the Minor Prophets. I'd like for you to turn to a little book. It's just one chapter long. Obadiah. Towards the end of the Old Testament, there's a passage that I believe helps us understand this of how deceitful our heart is. Obadiah is found right after the book of Amos, right before the book of Jonah. Seriously, it's one chapter long. It's only 21 verses. So if you're not a Bible reader and you want to say that you've read a chapter, this is a good one to start. That, that, that you've read a book, you know you're not a Bible reader and you want to be able to say, yeah, I've read a book of the Bible. Here's a good one to start, all right? You're not lying. It wasn't a very big book, but hey, Obadiah chapter one. Listen to what it says here in verse three. It says, the pride of your heart, what? Has deceived you. Okay, so now if you, if you put these two texts together, That the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And you say, why? Why, God? Why is my heart so deceitful? It's your pride. It is your selfishness that deceives you from believing something that really isn't true. And so now you get to understand all of those other verses that the Bible talks about, about surrender. About humbling yourself. Going before God and saying, God, I surrender my will. In other words, I surrender myself. I give up to you my, self, my selfish desires, and I humble myself. I surrender myself before you And when you remove that pride, when you remove that selfishness from your heart, now God says, all right, okay, now we can work. Now we can mold. Now we can renew his heart. Because as long as you're carrying that pride, as long as you're carrying that selfishness, it is just going to deceive you into believing things that aren't true. And if you follow your heart in that state, you're just going to find yourself one dead end. After the next. And so this is why the Bible tells us time and time again to humble yourself. To surrender yourself. You might remember God saying, what is it that I desire from you? Do you think I desire all these sacrifices? No, what I desire is a humble heart. Just remove that pride. Remove that selfishness so that I can work on your heart. So there can be a renewing of your heart. I'd like for you to go back to the book of John, John chapter 16, because this does not take place without the Holy Spirit. There is no way that there can be a renewing of the mind without the Holy Spirit. There is no way that there can be a renewing of the heart without the Holy Spirit. Back to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, here in verse 8, It says this, and when he has come, he will what? Convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. In other words, the desires of your heart, the things that are are driving you to, to do all of these silly things that are bringing this pain, God says the Holy Spirit is going to move on your heart, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of the things that need tweaking, of the things that need changing in your life. So we want to stay on this straight and narrow? We, we do. Every one of us wants to stay on this straight and narrow. The only way that that can happen is if there is a renewing of our mind and of our hearts and that can only take place as the Holy Spirit works in us and through us. Now, let me give you an illustration to see if, if maybe you can understand the connection uh, between the mind and, and the heart here. Because it is vital. It is critical. And, and I want to use this illustration. I, I've never used it in public. I've, I've used it many times in counseling sessions with couples and, and, uh, and whatnot. I, I get young people coming up to me all the time that say, you know, Pastor Q, I think I'm in love. Oh, that's great. You're in love. Why are you in love, I ask them. Well, because, I mean, they're beautiful. They make me feel good. You know, they they just, they they make me, you know, feel worthy, and, and, and I just feel like I have a reason to live. And then I ask them, I say, I say to them, are, are you compatible? And they look at me like a, you know, deer in the headlights kind of a look, like, huh? Well, what do you mean are we compatible? Well, what does that even mean? And I go on to explain, well, there's two things involved in a relationship, in, in every relationship. I mean, if you really want a relationship to work for you, there are two laws that, that really need to be met. That there's the law of attraction, which obviously you're, you're in right now, right? There's the law of attraction. You're definitely attracted to this person. But the second law here is, are you compatible? The law of compatibility, you know? Now, guess what? Well, let let me ask you this question. How many, what percentage of people do you think get married solely based on the law of attraction? Uh, Pretty high, isn't it? Right? 90, 95%. I don't know that there's ever been a study on this, but I can guarantee you that the percentage is super high. Right? People get married based on the law of attraction, the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The pride of your heart, the selfishness of your heart, what? Deceives you. And then six months or a year, maybe five years into the relationship, that attraction kind of wears off a little bit and you realize we're not compatible. What have I done? What am I doing? Right? Now, the flip side of that also happens sometimes. You'll find someone says, man, they're, the, they're perfect. Uh, they're the kind of person I can take home. You know, they, they, they'll provide for me and my family, and intellectually, everything is on cue. I'm able to check off everything on my list, but I just... I, I, the chemistry, the, the attraction, it, it, it's just not there. But, but everyone around me is telling me that this makes sense and that you should do it. Listen, in relationships, your mind or your head, your intellect have to agree with your heart, with your emotion, with the chemistry. In other words, there has to be a marriage of the two before you can pursue it. In other words, your brain has to say, heart, go for it. And your heart has to say, mind, go for it. I want you to go. You cannot leave one without the other. You cannot move forward if you're missing either one of these. They have to be together. And guess what, folks? It is the same thing with our relationship with God. It is the same thing. This is exactly why when Jesus stood before the Pharisees, he was mad at them. Why? Because it was all up here. It was all intellect. It was all facts. It was all do's and don'ts. And they left the passion and compassion and the mercy and the love aside. And he calls them, you hypocrites, what have you done? Yeah, you focus on all of these things, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, which is love and justice and mercy. There has to be a combination of the two. And now listen, we've run into situations in life where we find the complete opposite. You run into a Christian. And this is, this is kind of tricky because it's a, little, it's a little deceiving. In some ways, it's a little appealing, Right? we find someone who says, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You know, as long as there's love and as long as there's forgiveness, you know, as long as you love your brother, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what day you worship or set aside for worship. Hey, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. It, you know, you, you can do whatever, whatever lifestyle you want. You go for it. And there... The flip side of the other coin. God says, No, 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 no. They're both important to me. The law that I've set out, my commandments, I want you to to reason through and I want you to intellectually understand the things that I have for you, the things that I am encouraging you to do on a daily basis, even though it doesn't make sense. If the word of God says it, you need to follow through with it. But then he also says, But listen, don't forget the heart. Don't forget the passion and the compassion that comes along. I need both working hand in hand here. I need forgiveness and mercy, but I also need you to understand my laws and my commandments for you. In case you think I'm making this up, I want you to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Listen to this. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we'll start reading here with verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, heart, compassion, love, mercy, okay? And what? Truth. Intellectually your mind, your head. The time is coming when the true worshipers, and and he says this in such a way to lead us to believe that there could possibly be false worshipers out there, that there are there are professed Christians out there who are not true worshipers. And if you leave either one of these behind, if you leave either the intellect, the truth behind, or if you leave the heart, compassion side of things behind, if you leave either one of those two, God says you are not a true worshiper. In other words, the, the law of attraction and the law of compatibility, they need to be married together in order for a relationship to work. God is saying the marriage of truth and spirit have to be married in order for us to work. And he says here, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and he who worships Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so there are times in life when you feel like going down a path, your heart is leading you in a certain direction, but your mind, because you have been, you've been saturating yourself with the Word of God, your heart is going this way, but your mind is saying, whoa, whoa, wait a second, the Word of God says this. Okay, now your mind is keeping your heart in check. And then there are times when you might not understand something and your heart is saying deep down inside, I know this is true, I know that this must be, and the Word of God supports me in that, but I I know that this this is right, that I know that we should help that needy family, I know that we should open that outreach center downtown, I know that this is right. Guess what? The Bible or your mind can help keep your heart in check moving forward and vice versa your heart can then keep what you're reading in the word of God in check and so there has to be a marriage of the two because what God is after is not only a renewing of your mind but a renewing of your heart one last story that I'd like to share with you I found kind of interesting as I was studying this out I'd like for you to turn to 1 Chronicles. Um, it's in the Old Testament, not Corinthians. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. And you're going to see it playing out here in a, a kind of an unlikely way. 1 Chronicles chapter uh, 28. I'm um, here. Um, King David is kind of nearing the end of his reign. And he's turning things over to his son Solomon. And uh, he's saying to to the people, you know, um, I didn't build the temple, but building the temple isn't for me. I'm leaving that to my son Solomon. And and so he's talking about some of the things that he wants to see accomplished. And and so he's talking to the people of Israel. And then he turns to his son Solomon and he says this, verse 9. As for you, he says, my son Solomon, know the God of your fathers. And serve him with a, what's that say? Loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Isn't that interesting? That David, King David, understood this principle. And as he's giving his last day's instructions, as he's giving those last minute instructions to his son, he reminds him, listen, serve God with a loyal heart, with the renewing of your heart. Make sure that your heart's in the right place. But then he says, hey, listen, make sure that you also serve him with a willing mind, with the renewing of your mind. Make sure that that your mind's in the right place. Let there be a marriage of the two. Let God, the Holy Spirit, work in your life so that there can be a renewing of your mind and of your heart. And when that happens, you will find yourself on that straight and narrow road that we all long to be on. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We're a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.